grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And today we continue in the series in the book of 1 Corinthians, a study on the first letter to Corinth. Today we're in chapter 13, where Paul continues the topic of spiritual gifts, focuses on one of the most important topics in the Bible, definitely one of the most quoted in weddings and in sermons. It's commonly referred to as the love chapter. ReachingForRealLife.org has his full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so today. There's a place to give at ReachingForRealLife.org. The message today is called Learning to Love. In this series called One, Sean starts off in the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and goes right into chapter 13. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. We're in the midst of a series called One. And we've been looking at one chapter a week and just going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And so this week, we're in a chapter that, even if you're not a Bible student, you may have heard things from this chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The title of the message is Learning to Love. And what's fascinating about this chapter, and you need to understand, 12, 13, 14 all kind of cover this topic of spiritual gifts. And at the end of chapter 12, Paul has been talking about how every person has spiritual gifts, and they're designed to be a blessing to the body and for the common good. And we talked about that last week. But then he asks a series of questions regarding gifts and with an obvious answer. Okay? He never technically answers it, but it's kind of an obvious answer. Here's the last few verses of chapter 12. Are all apostles, what's the answer to that? No. Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And the obvious answer to each of those is no. And I want to pick up our study of chapter 13 with this last verse of chapter 12. Because from that, do all interpret? And the obvious answer is no. He then says this. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. So he talks about everybody didn't have the same gifts. He had said that earlier. Don't all have the same gift. God gives different gifts, as he wills. But he says, do all have these gifts? No. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. What gifts are those? And yet, I'll show you the most excellent way. What's interesting, we need to see this in the context of the gifts. But as we see in chapter 13, he goes way beyond the use of gifts. This is the most excellent way to use gifts. It is the most excellent way to live. And then he just kind of drops us into this passage of Scripture that many of us might be familiar with, 1 Corinthians 13. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm a noisemaker, he says. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. That's pretty powerful language. Because what he's saying is, he's saying, I don't care how lofty your speech. I don't care if you speak in the tongues of men and angels. If you don't have love, yeah, you're just a noisemaker. He says, I don't care how gifted you are. You remember we, we talked about them. They had these certain gifts that they would put up in, in pecking order, the public gifts like prophecy and like tongues and some of those things that were public ministries in the body, and they kind of exalted those, but they'd push others back. And Paul corrected that in chapter 12, and he's going to do it again in chapter 14. 
But what he's saying is, I don't care if you have gifts. You're so gifted, and your gifts are a blessing to so many people. You know, I don't care if you have the gifts of prophecy, incredible faith, all these things. He says, if you don't have love, it doesn't matter. And then what might be surprising to him, he says, I don't care if you give everything you have to the poor. You're like, but Jesus was all about the poor. He says, I don't care if you give everything you have to the poor or even give your own body. He says, if you don't have love, it's for nothing. But wait a minute, why else would I sacrifice like that? Well, we know there's lots of reasons we might sacrifice. We might sacrifice to be noticed. We might sacrifice to make ourselves feel superior. There's all kinds of ulterior motives for doing good things. And he's saying, yeah, all of them. If you don't have love, you're missing it. You're missing it. He says, without it, I'm nothing. He goes on into verse 4. And he begins to tell us what love is like. He begins to describe the things that love does. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. doesn't boast. It's not proud. does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love isn't a scorekeeper. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Always. And he, so he impacts what love is like. And I remember years ago I heard a teacher help you apply those few verses we just read about love is patient, love is kind, love is, and all those things, help you apply that. He says, here's a way you can kind of really bring that home. He says, replace your, the word love with your name and see how far you get. Okay? So put your, instead of the word love, put your name there and see how far you get. So I'll do it. Sean is patient there. I'm out. I'm tapping. I'm out. Not that I don't think patience is good, not that I don't want to be patient, but the fact is there's too many times when I'm not patient. Yesterday, I'm... <laughs> You're like, what about this morning? In the, I, I saw you in the foyer, you weren't very patient. Stop it, okay? <laughs> you tell your story when you want, okay? This is my time. Yesterday, I'm in, we're, I, we're in a Whataburger. I just literally, I run in, and we're get, I'm getting a couple iced teas for Lori and I. We were driving, so just get a couple iced teas, okay? There was a long line at the at the drive-thru, so I went in. Get in, and there they've got one register open, and there's this family in line wait, taking forever to order. I mean, taking forever. And it, it, that was one thing, but then there's also a group of employees over there obviously having a, some little social or something. <laughs> just all standing around. Nobody's social distancing. They're having a great time, and they're just all there, and I'm like, and there's these empty registers. <laughs> I'm like, I just need to. <laughs> and so I'm there, and not only is the family taking a long time, then they start, and they're going to do the exact change thing. But they don't have exact change, so they call grandma over. And auntie comes over. And I'm like, for the love of God. And, and it's the exact change in, like, pennies. 47, 48, and it's like 98 cents. I, I, I guess, exactly. She just said, give him a dollar. I was about to give him a dollar because of love and charity. It's my, you know, it's how I roll. But what happens to me is what sometimes happens. Okay? I'm sitting there waiting, and love is patient. Okay, that's why I couldn't in good conscience go on. Um, and I start getting a breathing disorder. 
It's clearly, it's medically. Oh, 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 oh. And I'm looking at the employees. For the love of all that's good, take my money. So I couldn't get very far on the whole love is patient. I know patience is good, and there are times when I'm patient, but it's a struggle. And what's funny is I don't know that we were in some great hurry. It's like Lori has told me, I'm often in a hurry when we're not going anywhere. And it's like, that's just weird. But it's like, okay, we we said we're going, we're standing up now, let's go. What's your hurry? I'm standing up. I should go. That's how it works. You said, let's go, and now you start doing five things. Why? Why? And it reveals this struggle with patience because love is patient. Love is kind. So put your name in there, okay? Laugh at old Sean. Yuck it up, okay? Let's get you up here and put your name in and see what happens. That is a, whoever that guy was, who, I, I don't remember who the teacher was. I wish I could credit them or get them back or something. That's a powerful, powerful illustration because what it does is it puts skin on it doesn't it? It puts love into the real world. It doesn't let it sit on the pages and be a beautiful poem that I read and maybe put on a plaque somewhere in the house. It's like, oh, I have to deal with it. Love that Paul doesn't let us do that. He makes us put it on and try it out. See if it fits. And then verse eight is really kind of the continuation of that phrase. It always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Never fails. And then he goes on. Where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. Remember the teaching on gifts last week. So these are all, he's listing gifts, particular gifts. Actually, some of the ones that they kind of exalted. And he's saying, someday the prophecies are going to cease. The tongues will be stilled. The knowledge will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, another translation says when the perfect comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And then he says this, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What's interesting is these, these gifts that they were really getting all hyped up about and dividing over and making a big deal of, he says they're for a limited time. They have a limited scope. Okay? He's not saying they ended. Some people have taught, they're called cessationists, they've taught that the gifts ended. When the scripture was completed, when the Bible was completed, the gifts ended. We didn't need those things anymore. And I, I absolutely think that's a misreading of this passage. They use this passage to justify that. Because he says, for now we see only in a reflection as in a mirror, then we'll see face to face. When? When the perfect comes, when these gifts are no longer necessary, well, we still see through a glass dimly. Now I know in part, then I'll know fully when, when the perfect comes, even as I'm fully known. I don't know fully now. So I clearly believe this passage is talking about when we are with the Lord, things like prophecy, well, prophecy is speaking the word of the Lord. He's right there. You won't need it. Tongues, words of knowledge, in his presence, these things won't be necessary. And that's what I think he's saying. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Learning to Love. It's in the series on unity called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. 
And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find that Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Learning to Love. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. You've heard me talk before about, you know, the movie City Slickers and everybody. This is where I catch everybody on this, right? The one thing, everybody knows about that, right? One thing. What's the one thing in life? This is theology and philosophy according to Curly from City Slickers. That's the secret. One thing. One thing. Well, the one thing is that organizing or clarifying pursuit or value in your life. And let me tell you what the one thing is not. That one thing is not your career. Even though we may organize our whole lives, we may do everything about our career, our career, our career. That's not. My goals, whether they be financial goals, whether they be goals with my home, whether they be goals with my kids, they are not the bottom line and the final organizing thing. That's not the one thing. Expectations, parents' expectations, people's expectations, spouses' expectations, that's not the one thing. Politics is not the one thing. For the love of all that's good... (laughs) Please know, politics is not the one thing. It's fascinating. When I think of even social justice, just understand, justice is from God. God is love, he is grace, he is mercy, but God is also just. And if you start and think about justice as, as working to see justice for those who have been deprived justice, that's a good thing, that's a God thing. But the way social justice in our current context is, is there's always got to be this sense of retribution. And it's really not complete until I make whoever I perceive is to blame, because it's always the blame game, until I make them pay, then justice hasn't been served. And it's like, whether or not they've ever been involved in this injustice, I got to dump it on someone. And it's like, when I get my heart all locked up in this, I got to make someone pay. I've left love. I've even left justice. It is a good thing to pursue justice. God is just. And if he weren't just, he wouldn't be good. But to turn it into something where I've got to always have this, I've always got to have this, this person or this group that I go after and say, I've got to make you pay for the injustice. All of a sudden, I find I'm getting caught up in not love, but in hate and in brokenness. And I miss the true beauty of justice as God describes it and defines it. None of those things are the one thing. 
Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? Remember what he said? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love God with everything I've got. That's the first love. And love others the way I want to be loved. This is to be my highest purpose every day. Every single day. In fact, imagine you wake up in the morning and there's that moment when your head's still on the pillow and you're like, okay, I don't, I'm not up yet or I don't want to get up yet or whatever. And you're thinking about your day. Some people grab the phone and they start scrolling news or scroll Twitter or whatever. Sometimes maybe you're just sitting there. What if in that moment you said, Lord, today I want to give myself to loving you and loving others. Help me to do that. Let this day be a day where I love you first, God. I love you. I remember that you're with me all day long. I listen for your voice. I follow the nudge and the call of your spirit all through the day. And then what if I I make a point to love people throughout my day? And then you start thinking through the appointments you have in a day. Ooh, this one's going to be tough. One and two, I'm okay. Three, I don't know, God. Maybe I could punch out maybe for a few minutes there. No, God, let me love that one. Let me love in your name today. And then what if at the end of the day you go and you follow him to the best of your ability throughout the day and at the end of the day, Lord, did I love today? As you think back, did I love today? Is that what marks this day and where I walked and how I lived? Did I love? See, out of all the important things in life, none is as important as love. Second thing, love should determine my priority in every situation. Yes, it should be the purpose behind the day. It should be the thing that I say, God, this is what I want to live for today. But it should also determine my priority in every situation. Because here's the deal. Love always has an object, doesn't it? You talk about an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. This agape love is choosing to love another person. And choosing their interest even over my own. It always has an object. And so the question becomes, okay, I'm in a situation, God, what does love require in this situation? I'm in a conversation at work. What does love require? I'm in a conversation with my spouse. Lord, what does love require in this situation? I'm at a neighborhood association meeting. And you're like, love has no place there. I'm sorry. You're at the neighborhood association meeting. And that one guy who makes you insane and wastes everybody's time gets up. Oh, God. Lord, what does love require in this situation? See, when you do that, by the way, it's usually not that hard to figure out. It's usually not that complex. The secret is stopping and asking the question. And what then you bump into is all the other competing priorities. Because there are other priorities, some of them good, some of them not so good. But it's like if I'm in a business meeting or I'm meeting with a client, I work for an employer and I have a responsibility to do my best for my employer. I have a responsibility to handle this situation, this deal, this purchase, this sale. I have a responsibility to handle it well. So balancing all the competing priorities. Some are just simple, honorable, fiduciary responsibilities. Other might be your own ambition that you need to say, Lord, i got to put that on the back burner. Your own fear, Lord, i got to put that on the back burner. But as I think through these other priorities, how do I make sure that love determines my priority in every situation? I think the Bible gives us a a key, and it's what we call the one another's. The one another's. There's lots of passages that talk about, in the context of Christian community, love one another is one of those passages. 
but there's others that give us ways to love. And I want to go over six real quick ways for us to love other people. You may want to jot these down. Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another in love. It says, serve one another in love. Serving someone becomes a way to love them. And you can do that in any situation. Remember, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. So you want to love in a situation? You're in a business meeting. You're with a coworker. You're with your, one of your family members. Lord, how can I serve them in this situation? How can I serve their interests? Even if you're on opposite t- sides of a table in a negotiation. See, the bottom line is never the bottom line. There's something bigger at work. But even if you have a responsibility to make the best deal I can make for my employer, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But how can I serve this person? How can I serve their interests right now? Serve one another in love. That's one way to love people. How about 1 Thessalonians 5.11? It gives us two. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Encouraging someone is a way to love. Do you realize how much people need to be encouraged and how many people tear them down in the course of a day? And if you simply become a person who says, I'm going to be about encouraging. I'm going to be about encouraging people. Do you realize how much love they will perceive and feel from you? Because people are hungry for that. How about building each other up? It's a type of encouragement, but building up can involve being specific. Building them up, helping encourage them in a specific area. Add value to them. Adding value to someone. I had dinner with, this was a while back, with Sonny Melendrez. You know who Sonny Melendrez is? He was a very well-known radio personality in Los Angeles and then in San Antonio. And he's just, he's, if you hang around with Sonny Melendrez at all, he's one of the most positive just upbeat guys you're ever going to meet. Really neat, neat guy. Well, I'm having dinner at a friend's house, Baron, who produces uh, the podcast and the radio program with me. And we're at Baron's house. We're having dinner. I sit next to Sonny Melendres. And just uh, the conversation comes up. He asks what I'm doing. And this was back when I was writing A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life. And he said, oh, tell me about it, you know. And so I share a little bit about it. And he, he stops and just, and again, this was so brief. He says, he says, you have a really great voice. He said, you need to do an audio book, and you need to read it. And that was it. But to think of a guy like that, he added value. He built me up. He encouraged me in something, and he gave me something that I hung on to. Now, he's not the only person who suggested an audio book. But, you know, one, his background, he, he knows what he's talking about. It was like, at that moment, I'm like, you know what? He's exactly right. And you'll be happy to know we've finished the audio book. It's been sent to Audible. Hopefully, they'll put it up. It should be up in the next couple of weeks. So I just thought that's what I mean by value added. I want to do that for people. I want to get better at, at doing that for people, building them up, encourage them, because that's, that, that's received as love. And no matter what you're doing, you can do that, even with someone who you're on the opposite side of a negotiating table with. Romans 12.10 gives us two more. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. You can be faithful and devoted and have integrity in relationships, no matter what the relationship is, no matter who it is. And you can honor people. You can respect them. You can speak well of them. You can refuse to speak poorly of them. That's five. And then one more, Ephesians 4.15 gives us a big one. It says, speak the truth in love. Do you know telling someone the truth is a way to love them? And it, telling the truth can be done to put them in their place, and it might not be loving, and that's not what the Scripture's talking about. But speaking the truth in love. I remember I had a, this is not too long ago, I had a conversation with a brother who wanted to meet with me and needed some input on some things, and particularly there was some stuff going on that I knew this would be a hard word 
but I knew it's exactly what this brother needs to hear. And I knew he wouldn't like hearing it. And it's one of those things where nobody like I don't like giving that kind of word. I don't want to be the guy to go rain on someone's parade or to burst their bubble or whatever. So I prayed about it. I'm like, God, you know, I, I want to give my best. And that's what I determined to do. And I felt like the Lord said, yep, just be fully present and give your best. And so that's what I did. And I listened to him and I, I tried to encourage, tried to talk about through some things. And then when the appropriate moment came, I had to speak the truth on some things that I knew were difficult, but it needed to be said. And I don't think he loved it, but he received it. And I think he received it because he knew I cared about him. And it wasn't like, I want to put somebody in their place, or I want to put you down and in a perverse way put myself up. Because there's all kinds of ways we can pretend to speak the truth in love when we're just trying to beat down on somebody. As opposed to speaking the truth in love because I love them and I want to see the best for them. And it would have been way easier for me just to give an encouraging word and not say anything about, about the hard stuff. Let someone else do that. But sometimes the best thing you can do is speak the truth in love. And those are all ways to love someone in the course of life, work, family, all of it. But that leads us and drops us in one of the hardest ones. And I want you to, this is number three, but be ready for this. Love should guide the tone of every conversation. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.